again, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieved stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to talk to Manuel of the band Zeal and Ardor over Zoom video. Manuel is born and raised in Switzerland, and he talks about how he got into music. Both of his parents were musicians. Mom was a songwriter, soul singer. Uh, dad was a, into, way into salsa. He picked up the saxophone at an early age, really didn't fall in love with it. <laughs> so he started playing guitar around 15 and writing songs around there as well. We talk about how he ended up starting Bird Mask, which was his first project, moving to New York City, starting Zeal and Ardor, moving back to Switzerland, and all about Devil's Fine, Stranger Fruit. And we dive in pretty deep into the Wake of the Nation record and their new studio album called Zeal and Ardor, self-titled. You can watch the interview with Manuel on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with zeal and ardor. This uh, podcast is about you, your journey in music, and how you got to where you are now. And obviously, we'll talk about uh, the new stuff going on with Zeal and Ardor. Sweet. Cool. Um, we start off always where you were born and raised. Where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Basel, Switzerland. This is where I live now. Um, it's like at the border to uh, Germany and France. So I can get fancy bread, fancy beer, and fancy cheese all within like a stone throw. Really? Yeah. So yeah. you could just go. And from what I mean, I grew up in San Diego, which is literally on the border of Mexico and mm -hmm. going back and forth from the United States to Mexico is nowadays. It's, it's always been somewhat of a nightmare. You know, you come back and forth yeah. and yeah. the border is always crazy, but I've never been to Europe because I'm, I'm not well-traveled. I need to get out there. But um, from what I understand is you can, you could just cut into, France and then Germany, right? Like without even exactly. talking to anybody. There's this uh, like agreement called Schengen, which like most of European countries agree to. Like you could just kind of wander around and be be a little weirdo. And that's yeah, crazy. It's, it's that's so yeah. cool. That's so cool. Did you have to learn German and France French? Well, yeah. I mean, that was like my. That's what we speak. We spoke as kids, so it's it's not like a learning thing. So. Yeah, I speak uh, French, German, and English, obviously, from my mom. Okay. Yeah, but wow. my, I, listening back to, like, recordings of myself as a kid speaking English, I had, like, the most disgusting German accent, and I thought I was, really? like, killing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, dude, I could never even tell. That's what's so crazy. Like, I would never know that you had a German accent. 
Well, yeah, I, I moved to New York like when I was 21. Okay. And th- that definitely helped. And I, I've watched a lot of TV. I used sure. to watch a lot of TV. So okay. I'll okay. do it. <laughs> <laughs> so born and raised like basically in, Swi- uh, in Switzerland, but on the border there of France and Germany. What was mm-hmm. that like? I mean, were a lot of your, did, I mean, how close, I mean, you said it's a stone throw, but how like close were, were they? I mean, to you? I'd have to walk for 10 minutes to reach either of the two countries. Really? So like in your school, did you have kids from France and Germany that all kind of like was no, 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 no. Okay. They was totally segregated when it came to that. Yeah. Cause like school systems are probably like national, nationally regulated. Right. I I would assume too, but yeah, just being that close. But uh, we had a couple of people who just, um, I mean, their parents moved to Switzerland because allegedly the schools are better and that's why they were in my class. Okay. Um, yeah. And a bunch of friends from, from both countries. Like I was in, in the punk scene and, you know, like squatting houses and whatnot. Sure. And then, you know, with, with Schengen being what it is, people would just kind of come over, rob us or play shows, just <laughs> depending on the day. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. So you had friends in both countries, uh, aside from your own. Yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. That's so rad that you're just like, oh, hey, I'm going to go over to so-and-so's house and you're just like in a whole nother country. It's bizarre when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. amazing. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I did read that your parents are both musicians. Yeah. Um, my mom, she's a black one. She's a soul jazz singer. And my dad being Swiss, for some reason, he took up salsa and he's like kind of good at it. That's rad. Yeah. I hate salsa because like I had to <laughs> listen to it as a kid. Uh-huh. And you know, like Normally, like when you grow up, you kind of grow fond of the music that your parents listen to. Mm-hmm. That did not happen with salsa because it's it's such a such a never stuck. <laughs> yeah, it's never. No, no, it's it's there's no like subtle salsa. It's never like in the background. It's even if you turn it down, it's still. <laughs> I can't. I, I gave it a good a fair shake. The good old college try, but nah, no chance. But did you li- listen to quite a bit uh, stuff that your mom was into? Well, I mean, she's into Motown, so I mean, oh, that's cool. You can't really hate that, right? <laughs> in, in my humble opinion, yeah, maybe it's harder yeah, to. Yeah, it's harder to. Um, so that's cool. So, how did how, were they influential on you? You know, as a musician growing up, or supportive of you? Did they want you to like get in piano lessons at five or anything like that? I, they made me play saxophone when I was like seven. I absolutely hated it. Really? But, um, yeah, yeah. And then like uh, I got into metal and punk and stuff, and then I started playing the guitar. And that being like my own thing was, you know, far more personal because it, it, my, my parents didn't make me do it. It's something that my friends did, and we get to play all this cool music. So having that personal connection to it made me actually go bananas and like lock myself in a room for half a year and that, kept, that sort of thing, just play guitar. Okay. Okay. How old were you when you learned guitar? 15, I think. Okay. Yeah. So what's yeah. that high, is that high school there? That's high school. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. So you're 15, you're in high school, you start learning guitar. Do you start writing songs immediately pretty, or okay? Pretty much. Cause like the way I, I figured out music is more most fun for me is when I play what I want to play. And of course I learned a couple of other songs, but then it was like, Oh, but now I get to do my own stuff. Mm-hmm. It was really fascinating to me. Like I can just create stuff. No one's going to stop me from this. And yeah, that's just such a joy. It still is. That'll right. never die for me. Yeah. I love that. And did you all, you, this project 
that you're doing was a solo project, right? For a while. And then it became, you added membership as now it's more, it's a band obviously now, but mm -hmm. um, have you always been more of a solo artist? Like when you were 15 and writing songs, did you start a band with your friends or were you like, I'm going to just kind of do this own thing. This my, you know, myself. I had two bands I started with friends and um, they were never as manic about it as I was. Like I was obsessed with music. I still am. Mm -hmm. And um you know, they would be like, well, you know, we could rehearse, but there's this party happening. Like, we can do both or just, uh. and like through that frustration, I began just writing stuff by myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, that mutated into a project called Bird Mask, which is like pop songs and like folky experimentation mm -hmm. stuff. And um, from then on, I kind of figured I just might as well do whatever I want. Okay. Bird Mask started what, when you were still living in Switzerland or were you? Yeah, uh, I was like, 19 ish something like that yeah okay and were you playing shows you talked about going to like you know local punk clubs or whatever and would you play shows yourself and would you play in all three countries is it like that easy that you're like oh i'm gonna go to france and play a gig tonight and then tomorrow we never got that good i think okay like, <laughs> <laughs> we would have loved to but no we weren't that good okay uh, with bird mask i did a couple of shows uh but you know in in a modest kind of frame not nothing too too grand okay and did burn mass continue when you made it out to new york yeah it kind of came to its fruition there um what uh, yeah took just, you to, what took you to new york i just wanted to make music so uh i had this great setup where i could live with uh this musician guy like a blues dude he had like a brownstone in harlem he said like i could live there for free as long wow. as i as long as i mix his records so oh, interesting yeah because what i did is i just went to studios and studios in new york just like bringing coffee and like what the fuck are you doing there like <laughs> trying to steal knowledge and know-how and through that i grew probably not rightfully but confident enough <laughs> to mix other people's stuff okay and that's how i got into that deal it was good wow so you didn't go to school for audio engineering or anything like that nothing like it that was, no so how did you just knock on the doors of these studios and like hey uh can i come in and like shadow you like how do you even get involved like that just i think like when you're 21 you're so like dumb and bold <laughs> that you can't do that <laughs> like thinking of it now I, i'd never have the guts to do that i think mm -hmm. Not well, it's, sober. Yeah, it's pretty bold, right? You'd be like, <laughs> yeah. you know, hey. So then you start, what, just picking up knowledge from people that ended up being yeah. nice enough to show you the ropes a little bit? Exactly. And, like, eventually I, you know, bring cables and stuff like that. But it never really got anything more than that. Um, but, yeah, that's how it all began. And that's how I was confident enough to say, I, I could do this. Which I couldn't, but still thought I could. <laughs> So you end up mixing these guys' records and he must have liked what you're doing. Did he, yeah. I mean, to have a brownstone in Harlem, that's, did he, was he pretty well off? Like, I don't even know what that would mean. No, it's it just had that from, you know, back in the day when no one wanted to live in Harlem. So, okay. yeah, it, it was, it was quite old. So, okay. And then he was still just what, writing music and he would send you, you were living there and you just mix his records and that was kind exactly. of the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you were always working on, when did uh, when did you switch from doing the Birdmass stuff to Zeal and Ardor? That was like a couple of years into the New York stint. Like I think 2014 is when I put up like this first EP that I scrubbed from the internet successfully. 
Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like around then. Because um, I kind of grew bored with the whole pop thing. And I figured like just make the weirdest music that only I will like. And turns out like when you're just doing stuff for your own sake, that joy that you take from it is infectious. People smell bullshit. Like when you... Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to make a pop song that sounds like what everyone likes right now. That's always going to fail. Like in my, in my experience. And just, I completely agree with yeah. you where if you're trying to, it's like you, if you're forcing it, it's obvious. Yeah. It's, but it's that interesting. took me long. Yeah. Long it's, to re recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually interviewed somebody yesterday that had a, a big TikTok song. Right. And mm -hmm. And I was, and then she has an EP coming out and we were talking about the TikTok song. And I'm like, do you like try to chase that? Like now, you know, that that worked on TikTok, the rest of the record, are you trying to write the next TikTok viral song? So your, you know, your new fans will enjoy that. And she was like, you know, like I, I was trying to do that right away. And then it just didn't sound right. So I, I, I would, I think it's the same similar situation where it's like, you're doing something for you. And obviously, and people are attracted to that because they know it's authentic. Yeah, um, but that took me so long to recognize that. And I'm happy that I, I finally did. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I really wish a lot of uh, more people would just do what they want to because it's a win-win for everyone. Like the person creating the music has more fun. People enjoy that sort of music more because it's just honest mm -hmm. and that's just palpable, I think. When did you put out that record you scrubbed from the internet? Uh, 2014. Yeah. Okay. So you put I that out and was it getting traction on? Where'd you put it? Like Bandcamp or I put uh, it SoundCloud on or something? Bandcamp. And uh, like, uh, I, th I think I remember my mom buying it like out of pity. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> You're like, I got a sale. Oh, wait, that's well, my address. Yeah. <laughs> Great, honey. <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> Um, um, and then I went like back to the drawing board because I, I really liked the idea of those two genres melding by that being like black metal and like uh, African-American music. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of, uh, I, I flew back to Switzerland for love. That didn't work out. But then yeah. I was emotional enough to, to make more music. So While you're uh, in Switzerland? Yeah, and that's when I wrote uh, The Devil is Fine record, which got traction mm -hmm. because of, uh, I think, Kim Kelly, is, who wrote for Noisy back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, she tweeted about it, and then, like, Rolling Stone put it on, like, the most promising albums of the year so far list, which was like, wow, how the fuck do they know me? And, uh, yeah, that's when it all took off. Okay, basically. and once that happens, I mean, you're getting press obviously rolling stone right do do record labels come at you at this point or what like when that happens like how did that you know change the your your career um a record a lot of record labels did come uh, dubious stuff too like what you know like that that movie scene of the shady like record exec coming at you like yeah i got a, I got a deal for your kid but Gotta right. sign off this look yeah i think i was really uh lucky to not have that happen when i was like 21 or something because i would have signed everything right yeah but because you want to like, just be in the industry right and you're yeah, like okay well i'll happening. do whatever i can to to yeah be an, a musician or an artist 
Exactly. But uh, luckily, uh, I, have, I met David, who's here also in Switzerland, um, who has a, a record label. And uh, he set me up like he, he broke everything down. And even like when other offers would come in, like, look, this is your situation. I'm just going to lay it out for you what this actually means. And this will this will probably not a, be not a great idea because of this and this. And uh, like through his transparency, I got to to make really good decisions. Um, but yeah, so that, it was who's you said David was that a, a he's my manager now. Okay, he, sorry. Stuck the landing. No. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, he he was just a, was he managing other bands in the area, and how how'd you get to know him? Yeah, I was looking like um, I was just googling who's who's uh, who's doing stuff in in Basel, and I just kind of came across his name. Like, oh, might as well write him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in, he was on board. He helped you. Yeah, but he he actually we planned to do stuff with Bird Mask, and then like two weeks after we got into contact, the whole Zealand Arter thing blew up, and was like, well, guess we're doing this now. <laughs> oh, so were you still kind of doing Bird Mask when when you started Zealand Arter, and then? Yeah, with, yeah. With the Rolling Stone and everything else that was happening, it was like, okay, well, we're gonna go this <laughs> well, way. <yeah. laughs> so you're still writing the pop, like the the pop ish music at the time, still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I never yeah. stopped that because uh, I get bored easily, and I think if I'm, you know, it's going back to the like uh, frustration or like the, the I'm not feeling the song thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just need to have like a fresh. Uh, fascination for what I'm working on. So mm-hmm. having like this other project that sounds completely different really helps me mm-hmm. with that, you know, get keeping keeping a fresh mind. Sure, sure. Having fun with it. So you end up signing a record deal through with with David? Yeah, or with he, David. He, yeah, his help, obviously. Yeah, and a, a UK based label called Muka. And uh, yeah, they were also <laughs> really funny because they, they actually do like mostly electronic music, like um, Electro Swing, um, Caravan Palace and stuff like that. Something completely different. They're like, oh, right. well, this is this is gorgeous. We're going to work with you, Manuel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love your accent. That's so good. <laughs> That's so funny. So uh, they yeah. sign you and, the, the, you and they put your record out and do you have to play shows at this point? And you're like, well, it's just me. What, what well, at the at the point I was like, yeah, it was still just me. Like, oh, this is great. So I I just do records and then people sell them and this is a fine setup. And like soon enough, like festivals come. Like, okay, so when are you gonna play at our festival? I'm like, wait, that was never part of the intention. <laughs> and uh, I kind of almost panicked because this was like a yeah a solo project. Mm-hmm. And then I just asked a couple of friends of mine from from this. Uh, from from Basel, Switzerland, if they want to do a show, like I have, I have a couple of things lined up. Like this is a weird, like metal thing, you know. It's just kind of, you know, uh, oddity. Uh, so we have like four shows lined up. Would you want to come? These are cool festivals, and they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure. And so know, we did like something like three hundred and fifty. Whoa! Uh, yeah. Uh, and I was so lucky with uh, who I asked because it's it's just. Uh, it's just such a good group of people. Like uh, as soon as someone's like pissed off, we talk about it. There's no like shitty, toxic bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't have been luckier with these, with these people. Yeah. And they're still in the band now. Mm-hmm. What, what year did they come in? Or when, when did they get involved in the project? Um, I think late 2016, something like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and, uh, 
you didn't put a but you didn't put a record out with them on it yet or was that new, that the newer stuff ha- has them on it no no it's just all still you it's all me except for the drums because my body's too dumb to figure out all those things <laughs> <laughs> wow that's incredible so it's still all, all done by you that's rad um i i saw on your wikipedia that you guys offered like free merchandise to brand people to brand your logo on people yeah well um <laughs> i'm curious because it sounds like when i read the your you know i don't know who writes the wikipedia and if it's even true i almost, i don't want to give my idea away but i think it would be cool to have a show about just going through wikipedia with an artist and like really debunking all the stuff that's wrong with it that would um, be rad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but I, it, it said that you kind of did it just because you didn't think anyone else would would actually bite and do it yes so yeah. how does that so you what how did how did the the word get out that you're doing this? Did you put it up on like social media? Like, Hey, we're going to offer, you know, and what was the prize? What's the free merch? Like a t-shirt. You get to choose. I mean, at that point, like, come on. <laughs> no, that's like, what I was wondering. What was that? Like, how do you made them? Like, you're like, all right, well, if you brand my logo on you for life, I'll give you this t-shirt. Here's the thing. We didn't advertise it. Like we had our merch table and next to that is like this, this branding iron and a bloat, like a, a torch, right? <laughs> so people are like, oh, what's that? And you're like, yeah, you know, this is, uh, no one, obviously we, we never persuaded someone to do it, but uh, we right. just said like, if you, if people get brands of the logo, you can have whatever merch you want. Cause you're, you know, a servant now. We put it like that. Okay. And for some reason, eight people are like, oh, that sounds brilliant. That sounds like a great decision. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all eight people on the same day. No, 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 okay. no. Was oh, it like God. one a day, like one a show or something? Something like that. I, I think there was never, I think one night we had like three people. And that was also the night when I figured, okay, like this can't go on. Like I, I don't have a great team of lawyers at my disposal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I mean, it's not even a tad, it's a brand. Ouch. Yeah, it hurts. And what I also learned is like, the whole like smelling sensation of it. I thought it would be like maybe charred meat and it makes sense, but it still shocked me when I noticed it's just burnt hair. Mostly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yuck. Um, yeah. Yeah. wow. And then what do you just wash the thing off and go to go to the next? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, oh. it's, it's sanitized cause it's super hot. Right, and yeah. Right. We just kind of tend to the wound. You know, look at the person. Are you okay? Because you just made a terrible decision. And uh, yeah. Where were the brands? Were they all in the same spot? I know I'm kind of going off on this, but I'm so curious. Uh, Most people went for the back, which is a terrible. It's a bad idea because you have to wear a shirt and even a backpack, you know, in normal life. So you have like this open wound. Uh, Some people went for the thigh, where the skin is also like kind of thin. It's it's never a good idea. Like there's no there's no scenario or place in your your body were like okay there's fine it's yeah this just, is a great spot to get a brand yeah, like i would yeah. like i would think somebody would want to do it here but like that's so blatant in people's face but i guess i mean if you're if willing you have but- a you have a tattoo around there you have a tattoo around there you know that it's not gonna feel yeah. great right <laughs> so. right Actually, the worst is like here man this is brutal up yeah here. yeah um, i have like one, one here which is also oh, yeah. i heard the ribs is the worst and that was like the the trend for like girls were getting like little pieces like on their side of the rib cage and my yeah. tattoo artist at the time was like 
that's pretty much one of the most painful spots you can get it. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny, but okay. So people were doing this brand and then, and you just give them the merge and then it was like, okay, let's, we got to stop. Well, well, the reasoning for it is like, you know, you wouldn't want to get this brand because if you blindly follow like a band or anything like that, you might as well just get a brand. Cause you're not really, you don't know us. You're, you're mm -hmm. projecting so much into it that you're kind of blindly following. And that was like the, the, Ooh, I'm an artist intention behind it. But after eight people, it's like, this is going to get out of hand. And I mean, it's not a nice gesture to them. It's like, they're part of the, the joke, you know? Mm -hmm. So like ethically, I couldn't really continue it. Right. Also, like I was thinking about like, they might sue the fuck out of me someday. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, well, from what, 2018, to 2020 when the pandemic hit what you guys you didn't put a record out right oh we put a second one out yeah called stranger fruit and uh oh you did okay yeah oh you did i'm i'm, I'm oh my god you did that in 2018 i'm so sorry oh um, good oh, tell good. me about that record tell me about the record well pale in comparison to the new no um it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh it was like my first actual record i went to a studio and like you know worked with the producer who kind of had like the Rick Rubin approach of like just discussing things like what's your intention with this line and you know are you sure about this instrumentation and uh that was really good but I felt I learned enough to pursue you know making records on my own after that um okay. so that was the only record you did in a studio setting. And was that because you had a label and they're like you should uh, get into the studio with this yeah, yeah. guy Pretty much. Okay. And after like after that record, we they said, look, OK, I mean, you can you can get into a studio again. Like this is the budget. And I'm looking at my uh, one of our singers, Mark, kind of like With that money. I think we could build our own studio. And he's like, yeah, we could. And that's what we did. So oh, now, wow. <laughs> now we have our own studio where we can also record our friends. And uh, that was a really fucking good decision. Oh yeah, because yeah. now you got the studio that was funded by somebody else. Yeah. Oh wow! So between you, you put the record in 2018. I'm sure you did a, a ton of shows in support of it. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. We toured the world twice, basically. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. What was that like? Were you on a support show? Like, what was that like? Uh, we did like headline shows in in Australia, New Zealand, in fucking brazil all over the u.s wow. all over europe that's amazing and we also supported baroness that was cool and uh deaf heaven that was like uh oh that wow was fun too yeah yeah wow okay and were you on the road or what were you up to come you know the beginning of 2020 when everybody is you know now stuck inside and the pandemic hits and were you working on what became wake of the nation at that time or no exactly yeah oh, and okay. uh luckily we were we weren't about to tour in 2020 anyways, because we wanted to <clears throat> record songs. So we really lucked out in that situation. And uh, what happened was like, I, the way I write music is I just kind of lock myself in, into a basement or like a room and I just go at it. But like with the pandemic, like everyone was doing that. I'm like, this is, that's my thing. <laughs> How dare you do? <laughs> yeah. How dare you copy my stuff? Yeah, <laughs> I almost felt betrayed by the world. Uh, in the most egocentric way possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so, so, but I mean, did you have 
um, songs that you were writing 2019 into 2020 and then did the record. I mean, the record must have took a turn, right? Because of the content of it, you know, you know, the direct response to yeah. George Floyd and, and everything that was happening in the United States. Were you were there songs that you had and you just kind of scrapped them or like, you know, this all this horrible stuff is happening and I need to write about it. Like, what? tell me where your mind was at when all that was happening. Well, the bizarre thing was I was writing songs about um, Eric Garner, who died in 2014. Oh, really? Yeah. And that was like just like a month before the whole George Floyd thing happened. And then I was Uh like sitting on these songs and they were meant to be a part of this album right now. But I felt like it would be uh, more, it would just make more sense to knock them out now because it's relevant. And it also would feel weird to like do a press tour for, you know, it, it has this weird tinge of exploitation to it. when you're like, okay, this horrible thing happened by my album. That just doesn't feel right. So we put the EP out uh, separately, didn't do any press, uh, no big label was involved and, you know, the proceeds went to charity. Um, that felt like the right thing to do. And then I also felt comfortable like having, you know, setting that aside and going back into what I love to do, which is more, more kind of obscure, not as direct lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was how that happened. So, yeah. So <laughs> that happened. So, yeah. So, you put, <laughs> uh, so it sounds like that was more of a, okay. There is a, a focus to it because you know, of the subject matter and you're like, okay, this needs to be more direct and I'm going to get my thoughts out on this whole thing. And then, you know, kind of put that to rest in a sense and then move on. And that's what this, what third, third record is. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So talk to me about the third record. Do you start that almost immediately after or were some of those songs stuff you had started prior to, um, you know, kind of the, the shift with Wake of the Nation? Um, well, we kind of started anew, which was a good idea because, uh, you know, seeing how the world was, you know, in lockdown, we'd like reconsidered and thought like, we actually have the the luxury of taking our time and thinking about what we want to sound like, what is important for us, what makes us us. So we nixed a lot of stuff um, that just felt coming back to the other thing. Like I just mm-hmm. put it there because it's something that is relevant now or like cool, what seems cool right now. Um, and we kind of distilled it down to what I like uh, Zilnarder to be. Okay. And that didn't really happen with the other records because the Stranger Fruit record was basically just a hodgepodge of songs that I finished writing in order to have enough songs to play a show. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Okay. And so this um, album is more what direct in the sense of like, like, sorry, explain that again. I, I, so, um, with, you know, we, we, we got to play all these shows and I didn't have enough songs because, uh-huh. uh, the first record devil is fine. A bunch of them are just like digital MIDI jokes. Can't really put that on a stage. So I wrote a bunch of songs so we could play live. Mm-hmm. And while I like them, I don't think they really go super well together. Mm-hmm. And that was something that we kept in mind with this record. It's like you, you should be able to listen to the entire record without having too much of a headache, but it still needs to be interesting and like go into weird directions. So, sure. 
We'll see and if that works out. <clears throat> yeah, so you had a chance to play some shows in 2021. And uh, you've got a tour coming up in 20 this year, right? Alongside the, the, the new record. Yeah. So last last year in December, we got to play with Mastodon and Opeth. Okay. And big old venues because of us, not because of, no, <laughs> obviously because of <laughs> They were supporting us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, was that your first experience in like a probably more of a stadium setting, right? Yeah, I mean it was like for like three thousand to six thousand venue okay. range, so right? It's huge, yeah, yeah. obviously. Um, but I mean, not quite stadium, I'd say. But it was it was bizarre, and also like it's funny because you kind of hijack an audience. And it's also a brilliant way to, to like test out songs that you haven't played before because these people don't know you, so they don't have to give a fuck about you. So if they end up liking a song, it's genuine. Right, right, yeah. right. And, and were was, you seeing people like, I mean, obviously a lot of people show up like, okay, I want to see Mastodon, so I'm going to get there. Like, when do they go on or when does Opeth go on? Was yeah. Do you feel like you were able to win over a lot of people that were in the crowd there maybe for Mastodon or Opeth? I mean, it felt like it. We uh -huh. played that. The, the coolest thing was we played the Grand Ole Opry as like oh, an wow. opener. Oh wow, Nashville! Yeah, yeah. No and way. We, and we finished. And we got like a standing ovation. We were like, "What the fuck is going on?" That's <laughs> so rad. What a that place was, yeah. to. I, I, I'm. This funny is I've recently moved to Nashville. Um, oh shit! Yeah, I've, we've lived here about you know nine months now. And mm -hmm. I still haven't been able to really go to a show. Like I've got two kids and, um, you know, COVID and then bands weren't touring and then they were touring and then they weren't. And then I know people are touring now, but I've, I've been to the Grand Ole Opry twice just to like be outside and look at it. Mm -hmm. And to imagine Opeth playing there is just yeah. so bizarre to me. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. Yeah. Also like in the dressing rooms, you see all like the, the pantheon of like country royalty, right. you know, like there's posters and like, you know, photos of them like, what the fuck are we doing here? But I mean, it seemed to work out, but Nashville is, is a riot. Like we, we got there at 11 AM and there was bands playing and like, not just, you know, in every restaurant, I guess there was just like live music. And I just heard a snippet of someone saying, we'll be here till 3 p.m. Like, just wish for song. Like, what the? These guys are working so hard. And they're, by every measure of the word, better musicians than I am. And for some reason, I get to play, like, you know. the One of the, the most the, iconic venues in the yeah, world. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like I kind of cheated my way into, into being in that situation. But I elected not to think about it too hard. Yeah, I wouldn't. Right. Yeah. It is weird. Like when we moved here, you know, getting off the airplane and you just like, you know, walking out of the terminal and it's just like there's restaurants in obviously in the airport and there's always somebody playing. There's somebody playing live the whole time. And it's just so weird. And then you go downtown and it's like, you know, there's these five story, you know, honky tonks with a different band on each level. And it's really cool. Like it is. I've, I've been, I've experienced that, but I haven't been to like a proper, like, I'm going to go see Macedon at the Grand Ole Opry, which I wish I would have went to now. That's so crazy to me. <laughs> it's fun. And it's such an old building that, you know, getting in there, like, you know, hauling all the equipment is an absolute nightmare. Cause it was, it was built for, you know, maybe an amplifier or something. Right. And then, right. And in comes fucking 
uh, Mastodon with, oh, we got lasers, we got LED panels. Like, <laughs> <laughs> slow down there, partner. <laughs> Do they have to scale back their show at all? Oh, you bet your ass they have to. Okay. Like, that's way too much. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, okay, well, the new record is self-titled. It's called uh, Just Zeal and Arter, and it's coming out in February? Mm-hmm. Yeah, February 11th, I think. Okay. Yes, what are you most yeah. excited about for the record? I mean, you've released what about five or six songs from the album so far? Yeah. Um, that's just like how, how streaming works. Cause we could have just released the entire album in one go and the algorithm just favors like regular right. drops. So it's, it's solely, well, solely mainly because of that, that we are mm-hmm. kind of, you know, trip feeding songs. And- Is it hard to pick and choose? I mean, I, I guess, but I, I really like all of the songs. It's, it's just a matter of, you know, what works well isolated, mm-hmm. you know, what's, you know, it could be just too intense of a song that only makes sense once you listen to others, like, ah, oh, this is what this is about. And yeah, these are not the slap in your face songs. That okay. Released. Yeah. And are those coming on the record, the slap in your face ones? They definitely are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And you have a big tour booked and you're doing some huge festivals too. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly in, in Europe though. Uh, we're touring with Meshuga, mm-hmm. um, Metal Royalty in their own right. And we're playing like this one festival called Mad Cool in Spain. Oh, that's a rad festival. Yeah. Mad cool. I know it's kind yeah. of a cheesy name, but the, the bands that they always book are rad. It's insane. Like at first it's like, uh, some I think it's like uh, slaves or or idols than us then Phoebe Bridgers and then Muse it's like whiplash what? it's insane yeah oh man I'm looking at the lineup now just because I'm curious because they always have such a good I mean yeah I mean the the, the headliner is on the first night of Metallica 21 Pilots and Placebo I didn't yeah, know Placebo right? is still doing stuff like I would love to see Placebo Oh, uh, they just released another song. Brian Malko is out there doing like, some of his best work. I think it's called Beautiful James is like the newest song. Really? I need to yeah. listen. It sounds That's... like you're, you're a teenager again. It's magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, yeah, you guys are playing with, yeah, Faith No More, Muse. Uh, you are, you're on a... That, see, like I said, you look at that lineup, they just announced Bonnaroo and they announced Coachella's lineup, which are like not even close to that, right? I mean, I look at that. I'm yeah. like, whoa, like Youngblood, Wolf Alice, Thrice. Like, so that's just mm-hmm. one day. And then you have, you know, Deftones and all these other bands on those other days. Have you ever played that festival before? No, no. But that's why I'm so excited. But like a lot of European festivals are like that. Like we had this one in the Netherlands, I think, where like it was James Blake and then um, us for some reason. Uh <laughs> Uh, what's Aurora, I guess. And then Radiohead. Oh, wow. And it was beautiful because the entire festival just collectively shot, shot the fuck up. And then everybody just kind of listened to Radiohead in this somber understanding that this is beautiful. Right, right. Rad. Yeah. Well, speaking on Radiohead, it's, I, I saw that you guys had some technical issues on one of your shows. Was that one of your first shows? With Like you play oh, a 50 yeah. minute set and you had like all these stuff. I saw Radiohead at Coachella um, when they headlined it. I mean, they've headlined it a handful of years, but the most recent time they headlined it. And now that they do two weekends, I was there on the first weekend and their sound blew out, like pretty much almost their whole set. So they played and it was just like nothing was happening. But you guys 
had the same situation. Was that like an early show in your career? It happened twice. Uh, it was one of like the first shows at Roadburn, which is like this huge tastemaker avant-garde metal thing. Okay. And it, it ended up being like a really beautiful thing because we got into like a, a little bit of a song, Sound Blew Out. And keep in mind, like this is our f- fourth show ever. People start <laughs> singing one of our songs. Like the wow. whole the whole place starts singing Devil is Fine. We're like, oh my God. And so we did like this a cappella back and forth through uh, from us to the, the audience. And it was, it ended up being even more memorable through that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, because that could have went two day, two ways, right? And yeah. To be able so... to adapt to that, you must have been freaked out in the beginning. Oh, I I nearly passed out. I was so scared. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. That's so awesome that you guys were able to have you know support and then able to really work through it. And now it's this big memorable thing, kind of in your in your career. Yeah, but it's it's like one hundred percent due to the people there. It's yeah incomparable that's so rad mm-hmm. well manuel i appreciate you man I, I i can't wait to hear the record um when it comes out i i like i said I've, I've i've dabbled into the songs you've released so far from the album and i and i can't wait to hear the, the rest Here's of the record that. are you doing the u.s anytime soon again uh we're trying to do a headline tour end of the year but um like it's you know touring it's just difficult to book in in the winter since there's probably going to be new variants every season uh-huh. now and right of course we're staying optimistic. We're trying to make it happen, but you know, grain of salt there. <laughs> sure. What's the, what's the situation in, in where you're at as far as like, are you guys locked down at all? I know like certain countries are like back to like full on, like stay in your house type situation. Switzerland is huge on like personal freedom. So they're really um, not eager to lock down, which That's we should. Good. And I think we'll, we'll end up doing it anyway. Um, we'll see how it goes. I just, okay. Yeah, but right this, now this, you could go out and play a show and go hang out your your friends. No, 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 no. You can't play shows. But I mean, there's not like oh, a you can't play lockdown. shows. No, no. Oh, so shows are still happening here. I thought I figured it'd be. Oh, no, 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 no shows. No, people are still afraid. But there's like this whole I mean, not everyone is, you know, enthusiastic about getting vaccinations as, as they are in the U.S. So, OK, yeah, it's interesting. Bizarre. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. Well, again, thank you so much, Manuel. Um, I have one more quick question. I want to know sure. if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah. Um, don't try to copy anything. Like you, you can be you and that's something no one else can do. And I think that's worth exploring. <laughs>